It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Two teams whose deadline approach may vary quite differently. We look at where the Dallas Stars and the Minnesota Wild may be before the trade deadline on today's crossover episode of Locked On Wild and Locked On Stars. You're Locked On Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to this special Central Division crossover Locked On Stars and Locked On Minnesota Wild. I'm your host of Locked On Stars, Dane Lewis, joined by Seth Topol, your expert on all things Minnesota Wild. And a big game on tap tonight, the third meeting of the season between the Stars and the Wild, a nationally televised game on TNT. Big spotlight, big game, two teams in the top uh, three of the central division and, and always uh, a good matchup when these teams get together. And Seth, I, I know that we've only had real hockey back for a few days or so, but how are you feeling overall just with this NHL season as we go into, you know, the, the back stretch of the year, about 30 games left, give or take for each team. How are you feeling at this point in the year? Uh, not necessarily just about the wild, but, but as a whole, I feel like it's been a, an entertaining year and an interesting year to say the least across the entire league. It really has. It's been just such a weird year with teams that you wouldn't expect being able to go up against some of the best teams in the league and come away with wins. Um, the Wild, unfortunately, were on the wrong end of that um, on Monday night against the Arizona Coyotes. And it just goes to show you that I think the old adage of you got to play the game to win it I think that just rings as true as it ever has, is that if you go into a game without your best stuff, you have the opportunity to come up on the wrong end. And the Wilds, you know, it's unfortunate because you have this opportunity to really, I think, set the tone for the second half of the season. And it just was the same things that we've seen in every game up to this point with penalties, with turnovers, with the inability to get offense late and get offense in general. And so I was uh, I was optimistic going into the second half um, before Monday's game. And now I uh, I just I really don't know what to make of this uh, this wild team that is as of right now in third place in the division. I don't know how long that's going to last. Uh, Colorado is is nipping on their heels. Colorado is going to be getting healthy. They have room to kind of expand what they've done this season. I just don't really see that with the Wild at this point. Yeah, and, and yeah, I'm yeah. My first question, kind of about this team, leans into that a little bit. And I know you'll have a a good take on this as someone who follows the Wild as closely as you do. And they're just an interesting team for me this season because I'll I'll catch them every now and then if they're on you know a TNT game or an ESPN game. But other than that, they're just kind of this team that is hovering not not you know in mediocrity because like we, we've said they're top three in the Central Division. They've had some great stretches this year, especially after what was a pretty slow start to the season. They seem to have somewhat found their way, but it's it's just a weird spot and it's kind of a weird Central Division where 
Colorado is probably underperforming at the moment and seems to be due for a breakout anytime. But with the Wild and just where they're at, what, what is kind of the, the pulse you're getting from the fan base? How is everyone feeling about this team? Because I know this time last year, I mean, it was kind of different. It just I feel like everyone, not just Wild fans, but the entire league recognized the offensive juggernaut that was the Minnesota Wild. And it just feels like now that, I mean, there's not a team that I think people are saying is a bad team because they're certainly not. But I just feel like the, the the name, you know, the Minnesota Wild, that name doesn't quite pack the same punch at, right now at this juncture in the season as it did last year. So what, what's kind of the pulse with this team, given where they are overall uh, and what they're looking ahead towards for the remainder of this season? Well, I think the fans are at a spot where they kind of echo a lot of how this team operates now is last year scored a ton of goals, which was enough for them to offset special teams problems, goaltending problems, but they had so much fun doing it. They had all of the overtime wins. They had all the crazy comebacks down the stretch that doesn't exist. And so a lot of games this year are tense. They come down to a couple of plays here or there. A lot of times, if the Wild do find themselves trailing late in the game, they're unable to get tying goals or game-winning goals. And so there's a lot of frustration from the fans. I think we knew that the offense was going to be more of a struggle this year without Kevin Fiala. I just don't know if anybody thought that it would be this bad to the point that the wild are 26th i believe it is in the nhl in five on five goals and it just the script is so frequent for this team six penalties against arizona over on the power play and it came down to just one too many goals and that's been a common thread for this team too this year is the goaltending has been good for mark andre fleury and philip gustafson the offense, though, has struggled so mightily and been so reliant on power play goals to score is that you look at every goal they give up as, is this going to be the backbreaker? Is this going to be the one that they just can't generate enough to come away with wins? And so not only is the team not scoring as much as they did, but I think just you had that perfect storm last year of winning all these games, winning them in exciting fashion. You had Kirill Kaprizov chasing all the team records, the Wild as a team chasing all of the records that they ended up breaking. So you have this perfect storm of all these things that are really fun and exciting to watch. Really not any of that this year. And yeah, a lot of games are tense. I mean, I I marvel at the number of times watching games that I look down and like I my hands are clenched because I'm like trying to will them to a win it's just not happening at the same level that it did last year yeah it's it's just one of those things and I think the stars were a little bit similar in that they they won almost every overtime game they were in it's not the case this season and so I think there's a few similarities there and I'm sure we'll touch on some of that a little bit later but leaning in a little bit to to the offensive production I mean, you you hit it right on the head. This was one of the best teams in the NHL last season. 305 goals scored in the regular season, which was fifth best in the NHL. And right now, only 149 scored, putting them at 23rd. Uh, what What's, in your eyes, been the issue offensively? Obviously, you mentioned the loss of Kevin Fiala, but 
with a team that has as many weapons as they do in, you know, Matt Zuccarello, Kirill Kaprizov, uh, and even guys like Matt Boldy who are, you know, new to the scene, but seem to be making an impact for the most part when they're on the ice. What, what have you seen that's changed offensively for this team this season? Because obviously losing Fiala is huge and he's doing big things in LA, but I mean, more often than not, it's not one player that is the make or break factor for a team's offensive success. Yeah, it's it's been a combination of factors. I think one of the biggest things, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily the goals for Fiala that uh, that led to helping this offense out last year. It was his ability to enter the zone with the speed that he had. Uh, he, beyond Kirill Kaprizov, was maybe the second best player for the wild at getting into the offensive zone last year. And so you go from having two guys that can do it to now really only having the one and you become pretty easy to scheme against defensively is, Oh, Kirill Kaprizov has the puck. He's definitely going to bring it into the zone. So we just have to crowd him. And uh, the offense struggles to have somebody else be able to do that. So that I think is kind of an undersold portion of the success last year that is missing this year but you look at the trio of Marcus Foligno Ryan Hartman and uh, I'll put you you could just put any number of guys in that spot as well they just have not lived up to that production that they had last year Hartman had 34 goals last year he's got five at this point this year Marcus Foligno had 22 goals last year he's got four right now and so Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello, Matt Boldy, and Julie Erickson Eck have kept their scoring pace going. But the other guys that were that secondary scoring that really helps you out when teams try to key in on your top guys, it just has not been here really at all this season. And you, the struggles with sustaining zone presence have been widespread. That's another big problem for this team is they just don't really have the ability to hold the offensive zone. And so if you're not making that initial shot, it's headed back the other way. And so it's it's a collection of all of these little things that by themselves maybe aren't a, as big of a problem for a team, but all of them put right next to each other in the, uh, in the same sequence is, is just proving to be too much of an issue for this team to deal with at this point. Yeah, for sure. And I imagine it's, you know, frustrating from from a fan perspective of having, you know, weapons and guys that historically have been good, but, you know, just can't quite seem to find find that touch this season. And I got I got one more question for you and then we'll flip the script here a little bit. And I'm sure this is a subject we'll touch on throughout the episode because this is just that time of year where there's rumors and speculation, but the Minnesota Wild are seemingly at least in my eyes maybe in a decent spot here with the trade deadline less than a month away, $10.5 million in cap space or a little bit over according to cap friendly. What are your expectations for this team at the deadline? I I assume that they're going to look to be buyers because they're in the playoff race very much. So they have a decent amount of money. And and, I mean, they have a roster that I think a lot of players would be excited to join and, and potentially, you know, try to make a deep run in the playoffs. So what do you see coming up here in the next month or so as the trade deadline approaches? Wow, this month of February is going to be the make or break for this team. 13 games this month. Nine of them, I believe, uh, was the number in terms of teams that are in the playoffs or in the playoff hunt. 
And so I think to be in a situation to buy, the Wild need to come through that stretch relatively well. Uh, you want to be close to, you know, as close to fully healthy as you can um, at the end of the month and then make a determination from there. But it, my my focus has shifted and I, I wonder if some of this even is overreactionary with what we saw happen on Monday night against the Coyotes. But I look at it like this. The Colorado Avalanche are a team that maybe only needs to make secondary moves. Once they get Landeskog back, that's a huge addition for them to be able to propel them up towards the top of the standings. And so for a wild team that's, is struggling to score five on five goals. I don't know if there is an addition that really is going to solve all the problems short of getting somebody that can play number one center. Those guys aren't super available a lot of the time. You had Bo Horvat, who was sent to the New York Islanders as a top six center, but look at the deal that he signed with the Islanders essentially as part of that uh, that trade, that's not a contract the Wilds after this season are going to be able to afford because you have the Parisi suitor contracts plus the buyouts at their peak next year and beyond. And so your allocated resources are shriveling up even more. There are also some other guys that are going to need some contracts uh, Philip Gustafson, Kalen Addison, uh, amongst others. So the money beyond this year is not uh, really all that um, available. And so you look at it trying to get a true one-year rental. There aren't a lot of guys that fit that billing. Um, I've looked at a couple of the guys on the uh, the Blackhawks roster, Max Domi for one. Would he qualify as as a top six upgrade? And so at this point, I think the the shift for the Wild should be some lateral moves to free up some space for some much-needed youth on this roster, such as Matt Dumba freeing up a spot, Jordan Greenway maybe being dealt to free up a spot for Sammy Walker, who was really good early in the season, then got called, sent back down after everybody got healthy. So I'm I'm wondering if that's more of the pivot is just trying to open up a few roster spots with guys that have really substantially underperformed this year and allowing some of that youth to try to help this team out. Um, it's beyond that, you know, the, the one-year rental guys are going to be real hot commodities. And with where this team is at, I'm not sure I'm super excited about the possibility of a bidding war uh, for somebody that's helping you this year and really not beyond. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I know myself and many others covering teams around the Central Division here are going to be keeping an eye out to see what other moves are made in the division because, I mean, you just never know with, with this time of year. I mean, an unexpected trade could go down, you know, something that just completely alters the trajectory of a team and the standings for the playoffs. And so I know, you know, the top four teams in the Central Division especially, it's going to be really intriguing to see what they do. But we're going to continue to talk about these two teams. We'll talk a little bit about the Dallas Stars here in a second. And then, of course, discuss tonight's big game. But first, we're going to take a quick break and say thank you to one of our sponsors, 
and that is, of course, FanDuel Sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports both fun and easy. You can download FanDuel now and you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet where you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel also lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown in the big game. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is also safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly when you use the FanDuel Sportsbook app. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Continuing our special crossover episode of Locked On Wild and Locked On Stars, once again, thanks for making both shows your first listen each and every day. Taking a look now at some stars questions. And Dane, I want to start with just the number of overtime games that the stars have had this season. In fact, the last four games have gone to overtime tied at two. Yep. Um, what is leading to Dallas uh, just having all of these games that are not decided in regulation? I'd imagine there's a healthy amount of some comebacks, but you have some comebacks that get you to overtime and then you've got the other side of the coin where there are some games you maybe let slip. What's up with OT for the stars? Yeah. OT has been a bit of a curse this season and you you hit it right on the head when you said some of these are comebacks. And I mean, fans of both of these teams will remember the first meeting of the season was a dramatic comeback from the stars to force overtime, force the shootout. They end up losing that game, but that's kind of been, you know, the theme for the Stars, if they're down big, you can't really count them out. It's happened, you know, three or four times now. But as of late, uh, the last four games, I'd say three out of the four times, it's a testament to the teams that they've been playing. The week before the All-Star break, it was Buffalo, who was red hot at the time and playing very, very good hockey. Uh, I mean, trying to slow down the likes of Tage Thompson, uh, Dylan Cousins, Rasmus Dahlin. I mean, I mean, very, very good team, very underrated team out east but then it just got more difficult from there the hurricanes come to town and then the devils to to close out that week before the break and then monday night definitely not as good of an opponent with the anaheim ducks and the stars actually blowing a two to zero lead in that matchup and i feel like that's at least in that game that's one of those instances where the team actually did play really well through the majority of the game and the ducks just capitalized on a few mistakes in the third which i think is expected to happen with the first game back in you know almost two weeks certainly no excuses you expect a team like the stars to handle a team like the ducks but you know they they end up with with a little bit more fortune on their side on monday they force the shootout and they get the win and and it's it's a weird thing it's something that pete DeBoer, the, the stars head coach has been asked about a ton especially as of late of you know is it something to be concerned about you know, should Stars fans be worried? Should the team be worried? And, and you know, it's something that, I, that I've even talked about on, on my show individually. And I think you can approach it from two sides of, you know, two things can be true at once of you can be 
disappointed and worried in terms of losing points because the Stars, I think, now have lost 10 or 11 overtime games. So that's several points that have been left on the table. But those are also at least one point gained because sometimes it's an overtime that they, they barely made it to. And so they're happy to get a point. And a few times there are some overtimes that maybe shouldn't have happened and they're less happy with one point. But you got to take what you can get. But also the other side of, of you know the table is three on three does not exist in the postseason where games really do matter. And I think at the end of the day, this team is just not built for the three on three format. They have some good players that can certainly handle themselves out there. Miro Haskinen, Rope Hints. I think even guys like Jason Robertson, not the fastest skaters, but guys that can hold their own in the open ice. Whereas you look at the five on five, and I think that that format, you know, favors the stars heavily against a lot of teams in the NHL. And so it's a little bit worrisome for myself and stars fans because the stars tend to leave some points out there on the ice some nights with their overtime games. But at the same time, some of those, you know, single points that they've picked up, I think have led to the position that the stars find themselves in, in first place in the division. And I think that maybe after Monday night, they finally get a win past regulation, maybe just needed to get the monkey off their back a little bit. And maybe we'll see them get back on track. But I, for one, uh, would like to see them, you know, finish their games in regulation. And I'd be, I'd be okay if we didn't see another stars overtime for the next two or three weeks. So as this season goes on, the stars continue to pile up points, even in games where it goes to overtime, they still get a point continuing to pile up those, those points to the point where you look at what is left. And it looks as though this is something that the stars are just, they're just continuing to keep their foothold on the top of the division. Is it a situation this year of the roster really coming together well in the first year under uh, under Pete DeBoer? Or are we seeing the Stars putting a nucleus together that's going to allow them to be a force in the Central Division over the, uh, the next several years? I know you've got Jason Robertson. Jake Ottinger also signs to uh, an extension as well. So those young pieces are there. How do you feel about the prospects of the Stars turning this into a big window of contention past this season? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I think, and of course, this is going to sound biased coming from the host of a Stars podcast and a, a team that's sitting pretty well in their own division. But I think the Stars are at the very beginning of what could be a, a pretty hopefully lengthy championship window because I think the team is gelling very well right now. I, of course, you look at Pete DeBoer's history, and, and historically, his teams do very, very well with his first season. He takes you know, the Devils and the Sharks to the Stanley Cup Finals in his first season as head coach. He takes the Golden Knights to the Western Conference Finals in his first season in Vegas. So he, he has a history of coming into a new location and performing very well and, and bringing the most out of his team. However, I think you know this Stars team is a little bit differently. Granted, I don't know as much about the 2012 Devils or the 2016 Sharks. I mean, I just wasn't following those teams as closely as I would tend to follow the Dallas Stars. But this, this team has a little bit of everything. They have the, the sappy veterans that have been around a long time. Uh, your Jamie Benz, your Tyler Sagans, but they also, or Joe Pavelski as well. I would be remiss to leave him off that list. But they also have the young guys, the, the Robertsons, the Ottingers, the Miro Haskinens, the Rope Hints, uh, Wyatt Johnston, a 19-year-old rookie who has 13 goals this season. I mean, the, the guys on the NHL roster are very good, and a lot of these guys, 
I think we'll be back next season. Joe Pavelski has already signed a, an extension for next year. He's going to be coming back at, you know, oh, close to the age of 40. Um, I mean, 17, 18 years in the league and still wanting to come back and play at least one more season after this one. I think that's a huge testament to where this organization is that a guy that if he chose to retire right now, I don't think anyone would blame him because he's had a fantastic career. He's given the game everything he has still playing at a high level. And I think he knows that there's a great chance to contend this year in Dallas, and it's likely going to be the same next year. I think there's even some great prospects. Uh, Logan Stankoven has been lighting up the WHO with the Kamloops Blazers. And if it weren't for Connor Bedard, I think he would have been the biggest name at the World Juniors You know, uh, several months ago. Uh, he was maybe the second best player in that entire tournament. And even at the AHL level, you have guys like defenseman Thomas Harley, who is just listed as an AHL All-Star and played in that game. He's doing very well. Um, Maverick Bork was the 2020 first overall pick for the Stars, or first round pick, rather. I mean, there's just good pieces here and there. Jordan Kyrou's brother, Christian Kyrou, is a current Dallas Stars prospect who was drafted over the summer. Really nice, solid offensive defenseman that might not be on the team here in the next year or so. But I think, you know, down the line, the Stars have done a really good job at picking up the, these draft prospects that, you know, have good resumes and have really good upside. And they've shown recently that, you know, the coaching staff and the, you know, the development staff on this team does an excellent job of getting the most out of these players, hence Robertson, Haskin, and so on and so forth. And so I, I think that it's a little bit of both. This team has gelled well together currently at, at this current point of their time together. But I also think it's not just a, a flash in the pan. And I don't, you know, expect everything to be perfect. But I think for the next few years, we'll be seeing the stars competing like they are this year where we'll see them likely finish in the top three in the division, or at least be in that range somewhere. Yeah, and the, the reason I asked the question is for Wild fans that are listening is, as the Wilds go through these next few years, they are going to then be looking to build their core and to kind of model how they're doing things off of the Tampa Bay Lightnings of the world, the Colorado Avalanches of the world. Everybody wants to replicate what the top teams are doing. But I'm sitting here saying, let's uh, let's try to capture some of what Dallas has been able to put together here moving forward as the Wilds get back to, hey, here's our young core. Here's what we're putting around it. Let's try to go out and let's try to win. So, you know, that that's a theme for down the road for uh, for wild fans is like which teams are we kind of trying to emulate as we uh, really get back up towards the top of the mountain now wanted to ask as well about how dallas approaches the trade deadline but we'll do that on the other side of the break then we'll talk about some of the particulars in tonight's matchup between the wild and the stars as we continue today's crossover episode of locked on wild and locked on stars after this are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you got to try Built Bar. We have been getting through the holidays, and your 2023 may include a desire to eat a little better. And Built Bar can do all of that for you without sacrificing taste. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. You heard me right real chocolate. They also have some unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. If that's not enough, we've been talking for a while about how you can head to Built.com to order your box of Built Bars. 
What if I told you you didn't have to wait? You can head to your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club to pick up Built Bars in person so that you can get your healthy snacking going immediately. So if you've got one nearby, head to your local Walmart or Sam's Club or Built.com is still always there and always ready to help you order a batch of Built Bars to taste 2023 right. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Final segment of today's crossover episode of Locked On Wild and Locked On Stars. Uh, Seth Topol and Dane Lewis taking a look at tonight's matchup between the two teams. And Dane, let's talk about the trade deadline approach for the Stars in first place in the Central at this moment. Um, what do the Stars need? How would you approach the trade deadline to try to uh, bolster what the Stars have done so far this season? It's an interesting conversation for sure because the Stars are, are in a weird spot where they don't really have a ton of cap space. They're only carrying 12 forwards on the roster right now. So they're acquiring small bits and pieces of cap space day by day. Uh, they're at 1.7 or just a little bit over that right now. But they also are in a weird position with draft picks. They don't have their first or third round pick in the 2023 draft. Uh, the third round pick, I believe, now belongs to Chicago, but they traded it to Arizona last year at the deadline for backup goalie Scott Wedgwood. And the first round pick belongs to the New York Rangers in a trade for Niels Lundqvist right before the start of training camp. So it's weird because the stars don't necessarily have a ton to offer in return because I, I do see them being buyers here at the deadline. And there's been some rumors, spec, you know, circulating around social media uh, actually talked about it on Tuesday's episode of locked on NHL uh, with Brett Holden of locked on Oilers on the Western conference Tuesday episode. Patrick Kane has suddenly kind of popped up as rumored to maybe go to Dallas. Nothing, you know, solidified, but there's been some legitimate reports out there that the stars are maybe interested in his services, but that's a, I mean, a guy who one isn't playing healthy from everything I understand. He's not 100% and also cost $10.5 million uh, with his cap hit, which the stars just can't afford without giving up a ton in return. And of course, also hoping that the Blackhawks would retain at least a little bit of that, you know, that, that cap retention. But I, I do expect the stars to make some moves although I don't think it's going to be for you know a home run type player, a Kane, a Timo Meyer, uh, obviously Bo Horvat's off the table now as well. But you mentioned Max Domi earlier. I think that's a player the Stars certainly could look for. Only a $3 million cap hit. He leads the Blackhawks in points. Very productive player who I think could be even more productive uh, on a team like Dallas. And really, I think what they need is a top six winger that can play alongside Tyler Sagan at center. Because the top line in Dallas has been solidified for just about two years now with uh, Jason Robertson, Rope Hintz, and Joe Pavelski, maybe the best line in hockey. Uh, certainly, I, I think, in the discussion for a top three or top five line. And then it's Tyler Sagan at that second center position, and there's really been a struggle to find consistent line mates for him. And just adding one, I, I think, would be a huge step. And then maybe you keep Mason Marchman on that line with him. But I think Domi could be a good fit for that. There's a few players on the Arizona Coyotes, like Nick Ritchie, uh, Nick Bugstad, I think as well, that don't have big cap hits, but also maybe could come in and give us some solid production. So that's my expectations at the deadline. I think a top six winger 
is the first priority. And if possible, I, I think the Stars could also maybe look to add some sort of depth at defensemen. But again, they don't have a ton to give up in terms of draft picks. I don't think they want to sell the farm with some of their really good prospects. I think they want to hold on to some of those guys. So maybe we see a few pieces from the NHL roster get moved, like Denis Gurionov, maybe Radic Foxa. I don't think it's going to be the, the flashiest news, but I do think the Stars will make at least one or two moves here as the deadline approaches, because that's just kind of what Stars GM Jim Neal has shown uh, that, that he's willing to do. He's willing to go out and make these moves that, they might not be the flashiest, but I honestly don't think the Stars need a, a big home run hitter in order to push themselves over the line. I, I think that they, again, this is going to sound incredibly biased, but I think they could very well contend and, and very well could win the Western Conference with the team they have established. But adding you know, those one or two depth pieces, maybe not the flashiest names, I think adding guys like that could go a long way in boosting those odds and boosting their chances at having a, a truly special season. Dane, let's finish by looking at tonight's game. And I know one of the things that the Dallas Stars do quite well is uh, scoring first and scoring quickly. But uh, beyond that, what are three things that the Stars need to do in this matchup in order to come away with the win tonight? Well, I, I guess th this goes without saying come away with the win, but I think the first big thing is win the game in regulation. Don't, don't, let overtime happen. Don't let it come close to happening. I mean, there kind of was a stretch. It was two to zero for the longest time on Monday night's game against the Ducks, but then the Ducks come storming back and then they, the Ducks get a four on three power play in overtime. The, the, the Stars just kind of got in their own way a little bit at the end of that game. They need to find a way to win this one and they also need to find a way to do so in regulation. Uh, and, and I mean, that's really the big thing. I think also you got to continue to find ways to, to get the power play back on track. It's been a little bit up and down as of late. Rope Hints missed a little bit of time with an upper body injury before the All-Star break. He did come back a few games before the break happened, but I mean, that that threw off the, the Stars' chemistry with the power play. Tyler Sagan came in and did fine at that top line center spot, and then of course you have you know a week and a half off. It's going to mess up your chemistry and maybe your timing a little bit as well, but I'd love to see the Stars get one, get, get some opportunities on the power play and execute on one or two or however many they get I would, would love to see them execute and bury the puck in the back of the net a few times. And then also we would love to see a huge game from Jake Ottinger. I know he, he played pretty well the last time these teams got together in Minnesota. He's a Minnesota native, so probably a little bit extra motivation for him. But I, I believe he was in the starters net the first time these teams met in that game where the Wild got out to a big lead. The Stars do you know force that comeback. But I mean this Wild team is inconsistent as they can be offensively. The Stars know just as well as anyone that they certainly can explode at a moment's notice with guys like Kirill Kaprizov. And so I assume Jake Ottinger is going to get the start in this game. He played pretty well on Monday night against Anaheim. And I think he needs a big game here because the schedule here over the next week and a half or so is difficult, starting with Minnesota Wednesday night, Tampa Bay coming to town on Saturday, and then the Boston Bruins coming in next Tuesday. So got to generate momentum. All of those games coming at home. Got to pick up those points at home and continue to establish that distance between themselves and, and the rest of the Central Division. I'll say on the wild side that I would love to see the early part of the script in that last uh, matchup in Dallas between these two teams replicated without the, uh, without the third period. Uh, because that's just the reality of the situation is that the wild offensively are going to have a hard time 
sustaining zone pressure against this uh, this Stars team. And so you're going to have to come away with some greasy goals. They're going to have to steal a couple, especially early on, to uh, to try to build some early momentum. You had Kirill Kaprizov um, in the uh, the game at XL Energy Center, I believe it was, with the um, the goal off of Anger's back. Mm-hmm. And that's not stuff that you can necessarily count on, but this team needs to try to steal a goal or two to offset some of the lack of production in five on five and to just give them a little something to, uh, to give them a boost of confidence. And beyond that, you have to stay out of the box, but I've said that in the other 49 games so far this season. And so Something tells me that's probably not going to happen. So you just you just have to play smart hockey against teams like the Stars that have the edge offensively. You can't give them additional opportunities. And this is going to be one that Philip Gustafson, who's getting the start, is probably going to have to steal for you. Um, he, he's going to have to play really, really well and limit the Stars to maybe one goal in this game, one or two. Beyond that is where it gets tricky. If you're asking this team offensively to score more than two, one or two five-on-five goals, they've scored 10 five-on-five goals in their last nine games. If you're asking them to score more than one or two five-on-five goals, that's where things get tricky. So you're going to need to play a smart, physical style of hockey without without going to the box. Going to need to steal a couple of goals. Power play will help. Uh, maybe a shorthander. You, you're going to have to manufacture some goals outside of five on five. And if Philip Gustafson plays well, then I think that will uh, give this team a shot. But we'll see how it turns out. Always exciting matchups between these two teams. And uh, Dane, unless you got anything else, I think that will wrap it up for today. Yeah, yeah, just about. I'm right there with you. Excited for this matchup. Excited to see maybe what a look at Gustafson is like. I can't remember who got the start in Minnesota, but I know Marc-Andre Fleury got the start in Dallas. Did really well up up until the third period, and the Stars were kind of finally able to, you know, get some holes in in the armor. And I'm actually, I have the game stats pulled up now. The Stars actually made a goalie change in that game from Ottinger to Wedgwood, who Wedgwood was fine in that third period. Maybe not the best guy to have in net for the shootout, but again, I, and we say it all the time when we do these crossovers, th- these games always seem to have a, an extra punch added in. And, and I think, you know, the season series split at one. I, I mean, and, and Minnesota, I think looking to continue to prove, like you said, this is a huge month for them that, that the, they, they are trying to prove they belong. And so I think it's going to be a hungry team that just lost to Arizona coming in and the stars l- looking to show that, you know, they're not this team that's going to continue to go to overtime and continue to close out games. So two teams with, you know, big goals and, and those goals kind of go against each other. So something's got to give, but yeah, th- this is an exciting game. And, and of course, always exciting to watch these teams go at it. But Seth, if you want to go ahead and, and kick us off with uh, some, some quick plugs, where can the people find you and find more information on the Minnesota wild? Make sure you are following locked on wilds. We've got you covered on pretty much every social media platform that exists. So just follow us there for pregame, postgame content, as well as full episodes throughout the week. TikTok, Amazon Music, you name it. You can find Lockdown Wild on it. So search Lockdown Wild and uh, stay up to date with everything going on for your favorite NHL team in the state of hockey. 
We've got uh, new episodes every Monday through Friday, keeping you up to date on all things Minnesota Wild. Yeah, and same thing here. Episodes with the Locked On Stars podcast every Monday through Friday. Uh, you can, of course, just search the show. If you're if you're looking for more information on the team, search Locked On Stars on YouTube, your favorite podcasting platform, and on Twitter and Instagram as well. And Seth, uh, this has been another great crossover. Got the third of four meetings, and then on the 17th, a little over a week and a half, give or take, these teams will, will do battle one more time in Minnesota. And then who knows, maybe, maybe we'll see this, these two teams match up somewhere in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which I, in my eyes would be a, an absolute treat. Yeah, that would be a great series, but a uh, little work to do before we get there. And so we'll see what happens between now and, and then. Absolutely. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to today's special crossover edition, Central episode, Central Division edition, Locked on Stars, Locked on Minnesota Wild. Hope everyone has a fantastic day, and we'll catch you all next time. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.